This is a Squeeze podcast. We're your shortcut to being informed. This week, our podcast is brought to you by Hubble, spelt H-U-B-B-L. It fuses streaming and free-to-air TV into a single experience, which means you don't have to go in and out of apps to discover content you'll love. Hubble, it's TV and streaming made easy. Good morning, I'm Alex Ty. And I'm Alice Dempster. It's Monday the 4th of September. In your Squiz today, blues hit Burning Man. A rescue ship is sent to Antarctica. Britain farewells Mohammed Al-Fayed. And true believers at the US Open. This is your Squiz today. Alice, there are currently tens of thousands of Americans stuck in the Nevada desert after rain shut down vehicle access to and from the Burning Man Festival. Attendees have been told to conserve food, water and fuel. But before we get into what is happening at Burning Man, let's just go through what Burning Man actually is. Yeah, it's probably a good place to start, Alex. <laughs> if you haven't heard of it before, it's a yearly event where around 70,000 partiers get together in the desert and they build a temporary city for the week. The principles of the city include radical self-expression, decommodification and gifting, so it's a rather unusual get-together. The name Burning Man comes from the fact that every year they have a huge statue of the man, which they burn at the end of the festival. And you might have seen photos in the past of people riding bikes through the desert or partying with glow sticks and flames in the background. That's all Burning Man. And it's been going successfully for over 30 years. Yeah, it does actually look like a lot of fun if a desert party is your thing. (laughs) Even though this year, the mud and the warnings about food shortages might make it sound a bit like a new fire festival. But it is a successful event. And normally the thing that the burners have to deal with is the desert heat. But this time there was about an inch of rain at the festival and more to come. Yeah, so reports have been varied about how much rain there has been, but most media in the US has sort of confirmed that it's been about an inch. It certainly looks like that in the social media videos that are being posted by those stuck in the desert. They're very stuck. The rain has closed off road access in and out of the campground and anybody still in the desert has been told to hunker down, introduce themselves to their neighbours and wait until the roads have dried up enough for vehicles to drive safely on. And there have been reports that people at Burning Man are looking out for each other and checking on their neighbours to make sure that everyone has enough food and water. So things aren't looking too bad for the people who are stuck out there at the moment. That does sound nice, although there was at least one group that couldn't stick around. There was a report of them walking two hours through the mud to get to a road, which one of them described as pure hell. The people still in the desert don't have a good estimate for when the roads will dry up and they can get out. Like I said before, Nevada's Bureau of Land Management yesterday said that they expect more rain in the next few days, making it hard to say exactly when the roads will be open again for festival goers to make their exit. 
Speaking of remote evacuations, Alice, a team of rescuers is headed towards the Casey Research Station in Antarctica to evacuate an Australian who has fallen ill there and needs specialist medical attention. Yeah, so the Australian Antarctic Division's spoken up about this. They say that an icebreaker ship left Hobart last week. And for those who don't know what that is, it's a ship that's designed to travel through icy waters. But there's been no other details, really, so we don't know the person's name or what illness they're suffering from, just that it's a developing medical condition. Casey's nearly 3,500 kilometres from Hobart, so it could take the ship several days to get there, but it's still faster than flying a plane over there, Alex. Yes, in winter, if you want to get a plane to Casey, you have to clear off the ice from the runway, which would take weeks. Now, the Casey Research Station houses about 20 people during this time of year, and a spokesperson for the Australian Antarctic Program said that the expeditioner's family is being kept fully informed of the situation. Coalition leader Peter Dutton was on Sky News yesterday where he promised that his party would hold a second referendum on Indigenous constitutional recognition if the Voice to Parliament referendum loses in October. Dutton also said that he'd be happy to speak to PM Anthony Albanese. He said that he'd be happy to talk to him about the coalition's support for establishing regional voices rather than a national voice to Parliament. But Those comments didn't go over well with Yes campaigners yesterday. One said that kicking the can down the road isn't what this is about. We need change to happen now. Not kicking the can down the road or anywhere else is John Farnham, who gave permission for his iconic You're the Voice to be used in ads for the official Yes campaign. He said he hopes the song might help in some small way to change the lives of our First Nation peoples for the better. A message now from our podcast partner, Hubble. You know what it's like. Your friend recommends a great film or TV show and you're excited to check it out, but suddenly realise you can't remember what she said it was. That's where Hubble, spelt H-U-B-B-L, comes in. It brings your streaming apps and free-to-air TV together into a single experience. You can easily search for your favourite content and keep track of what you want to continue watching. You can also watch free-to-air TV with or without an aerial using the integrated TV guide so you always know what's on and where. It's TV and streaming made easy. Go to hubble.com.au to find out more. Alice, we heard over the weekend about the death of Muhammad Al-Fayed, a powerful and influential Egyptian billionaire who has played a big role in British culture. Yeah, he's a big deal. He was the owner of the UK luxury department store Harrods, and he was also the owner of the Fulham Football Club. But probably, Alex, what he's best known for is being the father of Dodi Al-Fayed. He was, of course, in a relationship with Princess Diana, and he died with her during the car crash in Paris. After the couple died, Muhammad fell out with the British royal family. He accused them of being behind the crash, but that conspiracy theory was later disproven. Yes, we should make that very clear. That has been debunked. Mm. A former Harrods executive, Michael Cole, said Al-Fayed was fascinating, larger than life and full of great humanity. He was 94 when he died and has been entombed next to his son. 
We're into the second and final week of the US Open, and as we publish this episode, there are two Aussie men that are through to the final 16. Yes, of course, we're talking about this right now because one of those men, Rinki Hijikata, is playing this morning. He's playing against US player Francis TFO. And for those who haven't heard of Hijikata, He's 22 years old, he's unseated, and he was a wild card in this tournament. But he's been doing really well, and he's blasted through the round of 16 up until this point. So let's hope his run continues. The other Aussie is Alex Demonor. He's the 13th seed. He hasn't dropped a set in his last two games. He's in some of the best form of his career. So fingers crossed for both of them, really. Fingers crossed. And elsewhere in the tournament, (laughs) the American teen star Coco Goff says that having Justin Bieber at her game actually helped her focus on the match. (laughs) She is one of America's best hopes at winning a Grand Slam tournament. And she is no stranger to fame. Barack and Michelle Obama were at a previous match. Squiz the day, Alice. What is coming up today? So it's the beginning of two sitting weeks of the federal parliament today. So I'm sure we'll get lots of headlines out of Canberra for the next fortnight. And I'm sure you'll be seeing a lot of politicians around your neighbourhood for the next two weeks, Alex. (laughs) It is always fun to see them in the supermarket. (laughs) That is all for us today. Thank you so much for listening and we'll be back again tomorrow. Hi there, it's Bryce from Squiz Kids, the daily news podcast for small people. March is Women's History Month, and we're celebrating over on our socials. Every weekday this month, we're throwing the spotlight on a different iconic woman from Australia's rich history. Follow us on Instagram via the handle at SquizKids to learn the backstories of some incredible Aussie women, and together, honour their legacies.